Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod, birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics, with the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And Beautio Books, an independent, family-owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Beautiobooks.com. Good morning. Welcome to our show, number 879. I'd like to wish our Jewish friends, uh, Zissin Pesach, and our Christian friends, Happy Easter. And of course, we send, again, our best thoughts and hopes for peace to all who continue to endure the horrific attacks in Ukraine. And our thanks to the many who are working to help protect the people there. Well, we thought we were going to hear this. Welcome back, welcome back. To welcome back into view uh, this, the Stellar's Sea Eagle, the bird that's caused a big buzz over the last year or so following its arrival, presumably from Asia, to Alaska and then Texas and then New Brunswick, Canada, then Falmouth, Nova Scotia, back to the U.S. and Massachusetts and then Maine. It showed up in Nova Scotia again early this month, but now seems to have disappeared again. So we'll have to put that welcome back on hold. But might an even more famous and iconic bird have returned to the ranks, or from the ranks of the missing, and that would be... Yes, the ivory-billed woodpecker. Our recent guest, Dr. Chris Haney, wrote a book suggesting we shouldn't be so sure that the ivory bill won't be seen again. And now Steve Latta, conservation director of the National Aviary in Pittsburgh, who led a search effort in Louisiana bottomland hardwood forests, says that each member of his team had encounters with the ivory bill at various times from 2019 to 2021 and often heard that famous child puffing into a tin trumpet call. There'll be more to come on that story, I'm sure, so stay tuned. We don't have any recent pictures of an ivory bill, but thanks to our friend Bob Delory sending us a sweet photo of a pileated woodpecker, a pretty spectacular bird in its own right. We put that nicely posed picture on our TalkingBirds.com homepage. Thank you, Bob. Meanwhile, someone else we're welcoming back today. It's our Freya McGregor with another of her audio postcards. This one is a bit unusual, as we're about to hear. Hi, everybody. It's Freya McGregor here. And they're not birds. This is my first audio postcard with some mammals. That's a whole stack of coyotes. I'm at Anza Borrego Desert State Park in Southern California. There's a choya cactus and ocotillo everywhere and big mountains. And I just saw some western bluebirds, which I didn't associate with the desert. But there you go. And those coyotes just started up. It's, it's kind of spooky, but it's so exciting. I wonder where they'll call from next. (laughs) Bye. Thank you. Thank you, Freya. And by the way, we have some exciting news about Freya today. She's an important part of our Talking Birds team, but her main gig is as Director of Programs and Outreach for the nonprofit Birdability, which works to ensure the birding community and the outdoors are welcoming, inclusive, safe, and accessible for everybody. And this week, Freya's words have appeared in a Los Angeles Times op-ed piece. 
in which she explains why it's easier than you might think to make birding more accessible to everybody. A terrific piece by Freya in the L.A. Times, and you can find a link to it uh, right on the front page of our TalkingBirds.com website. Can you hear it? It's our mystery bird. We want to do a little preview here of our mystery bird contest, which we'll be conducting just a little bit later on in this morning's show. There's some clues here about our mystery bird. Let's see where those clues are. I know they're here somewhere. Our bird is a small neotropical songbird that breeds over much of the eastern half of the U.S. It has olive gray upper parts and pale yellow underparts. Its yellowish head has black eye lines and black crown stripes. Our bird forages by walking and hopping, hanging from leafy branches and shrubs and low trees, feeding on insects, especially caterpillars, as well as slugs and spiders. That's our mystery bird. We'll do the contest a little bit later on, and we will give away some really fabulous prizes from Droll Yankees that observer window feeder. Attaches right to your window. Nothing between you and the birds but that clear view. Plus, a 12-ounce bag of delicious, bird-friendly birds and beans coffee. That's the coffee that's grown under the natural forest canopy and actually helps sustain birds like our mystery bird. So those are prizes and the clues in the sound of our mystery bird coming along just a little bit later in the show this morning. The royalty of our Talking Birds listenership is our Talking Birds ambassadors or our Talking Birds ambassadors helping us do what we try to do, which is get the word out about the wonder of birds and the importance of conservation by handing out our little info cards to their friends and neighbors. And thank you to Damien from Fort McMurray, Alberta, Canada. Thank you, Damien, for becoming a long-distance ambassador. And thank you to a close-in ambassador, Paul Doherty from Chelmsford, Massachusetts. Thank you, Paul. Thank you to Angela Michelin from Germantown, Maryland. She says, I've been listening to Talking Birds for years and bird watching even longer. Not sure why it took me so long to become an ambassador, but I'm happy to make it official. Thank you, Angela. And thanks to Rachel Wiseman from Mashpee, Cape Cod, Massachusetts, who offers a similar sentiment. She says, can't believe it's taken me this long to become an ambassador, but better late than never. And I wanted to help you guys get to 700 ambassadors by the end of February. And you did, Rachel. Thank you. We also heard that it's Rachel's birthday, or it was very recently. So happy birthday, belatedly. Rachel, and thanks for helping us get to our 700 level of ambassador family members. That is so exciting, and we don't want to stop now. So we'd like to invite all Talking Birds listeners to join our ambassadors family. Easy to do, easy to sign up for via the Get Involved tab at TalkingBirds.com. Still to come on our show today, we'll talk with the Black Swamp Bird Observatory's director, Kim Kaufman, about a very big birding week coming soon to northwest Ohio. Plus, we'll catch up with Mike O'Connor in a Let's Ask Mike live segment about, uh, what else, Easter eggs. Up next, today's featured feathered friend, presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Although it's not very big, today's featured feathered friend is known by some as the bull bird, thanks to its stocky build. It's the dovekey, 
a small seabird with black upper parts and white underparts, black wings that show a thin white trailing edge when folded, and a small stubby black bill. eBird compares its size to that of an elongated grapefruit. To be unwary and easily captured in their nesting areas, and in western Greenland, they served historically as a source of food and skins for clothing. Even today, tens of thousands of dovekies are killed by hunting in Greenland each year, and similar numbers fall victim to oil spills and oil dumping at sea. Despite these pressures, dovekies are still abundant, with an estimated global population of 17 million. And the conservation assessment organization, Partners in Flight, considers the species to be of low conservation concern. It's the smallest member of the auk family in the North Atlantic. Ale, ale, the dove key. Today's Talking Birds featured Feathered Friend. Welcome again to our show, number 879. I think that's the right number. Talkingbirds.com is our website. As always, we'd like to invite you to visit there and link up to our Facebook and Twitter and Instagram stuff on there as well. Kim Kaufman is one of the founders of a famous annual event called The Biggest Week in American Birding. And she's the executive director of the Black Swamp Bird Observatory in Oak Harbor, Ohio, which organizes the week. And she joins us right now to tell us about this year's event. Good morning, Kim. Good morning, Ray. It's wonderful to have you. It's been like about a year since we had you on the show, if I'm not mistaken. That would be uh, corresponding to last year's festival. (laughs) Uh, so this year is a whole lot different, isn't it? Beginning May 16th, going through the 15th in the Warbler capital of the world in northwest Ohio. Um, it's live and in person this year. Uh, so here's my first hard-boiled question, uh, Kim. Uh, biggest <laughs> week, you know, what's, what's so uh, big about it? Well, first of all, it's a week that lasts 10 days. So That's big. Okay. Right out of the starting gate, it's a pretty big week, but... <laughs> Um, it's really just the um, the way we bring people together with migratory birds is something really magical that happens here. Mm. And we are thrilled. The entire team at Black Swamp Bird Observatory is thrilled, excited, and we're ready to welcome everyone back to Northwest Ohio. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's been a long time, as they say. So I want to ask you, too, of course, about Black Swamp Bird Observatory and, and all that. But... Uh, first of all, uh, about the the biggest week, um, give us kind of an overview. Maybe kind of set the scene. Of course, this is in person, and folks have a good bit of time here to get ready to head there to uh, take part in the biggest week. But what will they encounter when they get there? Can you kind of set the scene for us? Well, the the migration of songbirds through Northwest Ohio, um, our ability to immerse people in that feathered parade. Is, is something really special. Um, I've argued, and I, I think it's very true, that there's no place in the world where you can be immersed in spring migration the way you can in Northwest Ohio. Mm-hmm. There are some, some marshes and um, some wildlife areas and parks that are right on the lakeshore. The habitat that migratory birds need before they cross Lake Erie. So they come into these areas in big numbers with spectacular diversity. Mm-hmm. And the accessibility of these places for birders puts them right in the heart of spring migration. And by the time the birds get to our latitude, the males are singing. So you've got Mm -hmm. that incredible dawn chorus. Um, 
it's early enough in the season that the leaves haven't popped yet so you can see the birds really well and there are no flies or mosquitoes so all of the it's like all the birding stars align for us here in northwest ohio and it just is it's one of the most superb experiences and it's not just the birds the people that come here there's such a happy vibe that surrounds every element of this festival and i think that's really what makes it special mm-hmm. well speaking of people there you have an amazing lineup of uh, presenters from international crane foundation a place something called kaufman field guides uh <laughs> the, the urban birder and, and uh, uh, lots more tell us about some of those uh, speakers and presenters well, in addition to an incredible lineup of keynote speakers, we've got tons of workshops for birders of every skill level. Um, for the, the seasoned birder, there are a lot of expert workshops. If you've never gone birding before, but you've heard the buzz and, and you want to come out, we've got a lot of beginning bird walks and, and outings mm. and workshops for everyone. And this year, we're very pleased to be partnering with BirdAbility <clears throat> um, to offer mm. some accessible outings in partnership with a local organization called the Ability Center of Greater Toledo. So just um, as part of our effort to be completely inclusive and welcome everyone into our birding community in this birding festival, we continue to try to find ways to do better. Um, I'm proud of the work that we've done, but we're always striving to do more and to do better and to be more inclusive. Well, you're one of the speakers, uh, Kim, and you have something very special coming up that kind of aligns with the second day of the festival with a big anniversary for Black Swamp Bird Observatory. That's right. I'm um, honored to be one of the keynote speakers this year talking about Great Lakes piping plovers. And last year, for the first time in more than 80 years, piping plovers nested in Ohio. Mm -hmm. It had been more than 80 years. And suddenly one little pair drops into Mommy Bay State Park, um, coincidentally where we headquarter the biggest week in American birding and begin to show signs that they were intending to nest there. And sure enough, um, four eggs and more than 4,000 volunteer hours later, we had a successful nest of little adorable piping clovers. So I'm gonna have the great honor of co-presenting with Dr. Francie Cuthbert. And Dr. Cuthbert is one of my heroes. She really created the Great Lakes Piping Plover Project, and we're thrilled to welcome her to the biggest week as well. Mm-hmm. And that 30th anniversary event on the 7th of May, and anybody can attend that, am I right? That's right. You don't have to register for the festival. You can visit the Black Swamp Bird Observatory website to register just for the banquet. And Ken Kaufman will be our keynote speaker. I've heard that he's quite good. I've so we're that. thrilled to welcome him. <laughs> it's going to be a really special evening celebrating. 30 years of doing great work for birds. Mm-hmm. We'll give the address again for, uh, or we'll give the address for the biggest week uh, in, a, in a moment here. But I want to just go back to, uh, you talked about marshes and the very famous McGee Marsh, which claims to have been the visiting spot for 37 species of warblers, right? That's right. If, if people put a little time and effort to it, into it, they can see as many as 37 warbler species um, in Northwest Ohio, specifically from the McGee Marsh Boardwalk. Um, the boardwalk was damaged. We've, we've gotten a lot of questions about this, and I want to make sure we talk about this, but last fall, a series of really wicked storms went through our area and did pretty significant damage to the boardwalk. But the Ohio Division of Wildlife, who manages that area, 
did a fabulous job working with their friends group, the Friends of McGee Marsh, to get that boardwalk restored and even improved um, in terms of accessibility. And it's now open and will be open for the biggest week in American birding. We're very excited about that. Mm-hmm. So, the, the, you know, one of the things we hear about McGee Marsh, among the things that make it special is that it's really easy to see the birds, as you say. It's not necessarily looking way up into the canopy, right? Yeah, and and not to get too far into this, but these little songbirds migrate at night and they're very small. They don't swim. They don't even float well. So they're reluctant to cross a large body of water without being at their energetic best. So Lake Erie um, poses this daunting barrier and these little birds want to put down in habitat right on the lakeshore. And that's exactly what McGee Marsh Wildlife Area and Ottawa National Wildlife Refuge and some exciting new areas of habitat in our area provide for birds then they bring the accessibility for people and we can bring birds and people together in a way that's actually life-changing mm-hmm. and so uh, do you have a guarantee against warbler neck what these birds so uh, easy to spot there <laughs> No guarantee against warbler neck, but one of the things that makes it special is that these birds are feasting on this tiny insect called a midge. Um, Mm -hmm. These midges are aquatic insects. The emergence of the midges happens to coincide with the peak of spring migration, and they tend to be down low in the foliage. So Mm -hmm. the birds are low, just feasting on these insects, oblivious to people. Mm -hmm. They can come quite close to the boardwalk. We've had warblers landing on the railings, landing on people's hats, people taking selfies with warblers from the McGeevarsh boardwalk. So really it's um, all of those things I mentioned earlier um, coming together with the fact that you can see these birds so well, they're down low at eye level. It's, it's, it's kind of mind-blowing when you walk the boardwalk. I do as much people watching, I think, <laughs> on the boardwalk as I do bird watching, just watching the, the joy on people's faces mm-hmm. as they experience this magical place. By the way, lots of lodging options, right? Including camping for folks who love, want to attend the biggest week? Yeah, there's, um, at this point, a lot of things are sold out, but if you're interested in coming to Biggest Week next year, book your hotel rooms now. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's a very popular birding destination, and there are certainly still hotel rooms in the area. You might just have to go a little farther afield, mm-hmm. um, but lodging partners in the region have really, we've worked hard to educate them about the birding audience. So lots of great services for birders in the area, great places to eat, and many other attractions in addition to birding if it rains or you decide to come back at a different time of year. Mm -hmm. Museums, amusement parks, all kinds of fun things to do in Northwest Ohio. All right, sounds like a wonderful destination. And here's that website for all the info on it. It's biggestweekinamericanbirding.com or just do a search for that, Biggest Week in American Birding. The date's May 6th through 15th. Kim, thank you so much and uh, good luck with the festival. And I'll just remember that. No flies and mosquitoes. That's a thing. (laughs) Thank you so much. We've got to get you out there one of these days. I will. A live remote. (laughs) A live remote sounds, sounds perfect. Thank you so much, Kim. Thanks, Ray. Kim Kaufman here on Talking Birds. And up next, it's our mystery bird contest in just one minute. The flutter of a tail feather. The flash of a wing bar in mid-flight. You don't always have a lot of time to identify a bird in nature, let alone to appreciate its beauty. But with Vortex Optics, you'll have the power to bring every wild moment closer. When you choose Vortex, you're choosing to have a partner in the field as passionate about nature as you are. 
Whether you're spotting old friends on the backyard feeder or packing for a once-in-a-lifetime trip to cross a few species off your life list, Vortex offers a full range of optics and optics accessories for every birder and every budget. And whether the birds are taking you to another state or another country, you're always covered by the Vortex VIP warranty, an unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. If you want to learn more, or if you need help choosing your next optic, give Vortex a call at 1-800-4-VORTEX or visit vortexoptics.com. Here we are back here at the uh, Mystery Bird Contest trying to identify this mystery bird. It's a small neotropical songbird that breeds over much of the eastern half of the U.S. It has olive gray upper parts and pale yellow underparts. Its yellowish head has black eye lines and black crown stripes. Our bird forages by walking and hopping, hanging from leafy branches and shrubs and low trees, feeding on insects, especially caterpillars, slugs, and spiders. Tell us what it is or take your guess because no correct answer means a drawing will determine our winner. And we have beautiful prizes, including that always popular Droll Yankees Observer Window Feeder from our friends at Classic Brands and a 12-ounce bag of delicious, bird-friendly, shade-grown Birds and Beans coffee. Coffee that is delicious to drink and also helps save those neotropical birds by uh, growing their coffee under the natural forest canopy where really they create bird sanctuaries while they're growing coffee. They talk about a win-win. There it is. And the number to call... 781-837-4900 is the number. 781-837-4900. Please don't hesitate as time grows short. 781-837-4900 is the number. Mike O'Connor is standing by for Let's Ask Mike Live in just one minute. Beautio Books carries one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. New, used, and rare books covering everything from backyard birding to general ornithology. From field guides to photography skills, biography, fiction, and humor. You'll find it all along with the knowledgeable customer service you've been looking for in one convenient place. Beautiobooks.com B-U-T-E-O Beautiobooks.com This is Dave West from Normal, Illinois. I'm always looking for ways to promote the conservation of birds, and this show is an ideal way to do that. I encourage others to become Talking Birds Ambassadors because I think anytime that you can increase the awareness of our birds and wildlife, it's a good thing. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll become a Talking Birds Ambassador. Just visit our website, click on the contact button, and then choose the Become an Ambassador option at TalkingBirds.com. And thanks. Well, as we do our show live, it's Easter Sunday, so we are intrigued to learn what Mike O'Connor might possibly be talking about on this kind of a special day, and let's find out right now. Good morning, Mike. Oh, happy Easter, Ray. Happy Easter to you. You could be talking about anything today, even, who knows, Easter eggs, I'm sure that's <laughs> not it, but I mean... Um, wait, yeah, it says no, I that, could be doing that. That is hey, what hey, you... Do we get paid extra because of the holiday today? Uh, I'll check with Jesse on that. He's, he's he, he, <laughs> he, he decides on that now. He's mulling it over. I think at the at the moment he's reaching yeah. for his wallet, something that you're not oh. known to do a lot. But uh, <laughs> anyway, I, 
I learned that from David Klatt. <laughs> so uh, Easter eggs really is the uh, is the topic here. What, what would you have to say? Well, about you know, that? yeah, right. It's a bird show, and this yeah. is a, a, a holiday where people go look for eggs, which is kind of. And, and I mm. started thinking, well, why why do they pick eggs? Why don't they you know hide like donuts? Because that would get me out there or something <laughs> like that. But it goes back. It goes back. You know, and, and if you look up. There's like anything else, you get 4,000 different answers, and they're all kind of conflict. But so I went with the ones I like, and the more egg-related ones. And it's something we talked about a few shows ago, where uh, birds uh, change their behavior. In the winter, they shut down, and then in the spring, when the length of day gets longer, they start getting into nesting mode and start thinking about laying their eggs. And the same thing happened with domestic uh, we'll say chickens, but all kinds of fowl, is before the advent of electric light and in factory farming, birds or ducks or chickens would shut down in the wintertime and, and the local people wouldn't have any eggs. And then as the days got longer, like now in the spring, they start producing eggs again, and that was a big deal. So people would, were excited about having eggs for the first time, and oftentimes they took these eggs, which were uh, kind of a treat at the beginning, and they would give them to the people in the church, like the pastors or the uh, people who, who were in the church, mm. as, a, as a kind of a reward. And the other thing I thought was interesting is that in the old days, Lent was a lot more significant than uh, we, people gave up things for Lent or they were required to. As a matter of fact, they weren't, they were like, apparently they were the early vegans because no animal products were allowed to be eaten from mm. some, some religion that's meat. and but. Mm-hmm dairy or, or nothing, so they couldn't even eat the eggs. So, so they would, when the eggs started coming out of the chickens, they would boil them in a way to preserve them so they could have the eggs later on. And it was thought that if an egg was laid on Good Friday, if you ate it on Easter, it was it was good luck or you would get rewarded if, you know, somewhere down the line. So that was the day of then they would decorate the eggs. And the Easter Bunny, oh, I don't have a time to talk about the Easter Bunny. Yeah, I wanted to find out, how did rabbits get into this there? Well, because apparently there was this German lady who would hide eggs in her garden uh, for the kids, and the kids didn't know where the eggs came from, but when they went out there, a a, a large rabbit, hare, as they were, hmm. went hopping, okay, and so they said, it must have come from the rabbit, and the lady said, okay, why not? And so that, when the Germans migrated to America, they brought that tradition with them. Now the rabbits are taking over, yeah, too. So the, the birds get no credit for any of this. Which is kind so. of sad. If it had been squirrels they saw, we'd probably like squirrels better than we do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know what? i got to work on that. All right. Talk to you next week, then, Mike. Okay. All right. And happy yeah. Easter again. Gotcha. Birdwatching Magazine has a new membership program. Benefits include detailed bird ID articles from Ken Kaufman and David Sibley, tips and stories about bird photography, access to quarterly e-workshops on identifying and photographing birds, and complimentary print and digital subscriptions to Birdwatching Magazine. Learn more at birdwatchingdaily.com slash memberships. We're back to the Mystery Bird Contest with just a couple of minutes left in our show this morning, and we go to uh, Larry, who's in Cohasset, Massachusetts. Good morning, Larry. Good morning. Good morning. What do you think, Larry? Uh, you're maybe yeah. hearing it right. Yeah. American goldfinch. American goldfinch. That is a top quality guess there, but I don't believe it is correct according to our notes here. But, oh, really? Oh, yeah. Sorry about that, Larry. But thank you. All right. All right. Thanks okay. for the call. Thank you. All right. We have Fred, who's somewhere in uh, the great state of Connecticut, the Nutmeg State. Good morning, Fred. 
Good morning. Good morning. Uh, you just heard a guess for an American goldfinch, which turned out not to be the thing we were looking for. What do you uh, say there, mystery bird? Is it a is it a worm eating warbler? Worm eating warbler. Yeah. That's a bird that might want to change its name. It's not that great of a name for a bird, I guess, but uh, it's really because it eats caterpillars. Somehow that connected with the idea of worms, so they call it the worm-eating warbler. And I don't think there's any big uh, push to get the name changed, so I guess we're going to stick with that. We might have time for a bonus question here, uh, Fred. You want to try it? Sure. This would get you a $20 certificate to um, uh, to uh, Wisdom Supply. They make all those plastic-free products for home and office. There's an edible item that research scientists say could help feed the world with minimal environmental impact. They're calling it the culinary equivalent of an electric car. What is it? A, the pine needle-derived product called sweet conifera. B, the seaweed called kelp. C, the mushroom-derived product called mycelium. Or D, the potato-derived product called French fry. It would be one of those. Uh, what do you think, Fred? Uh, I'll, I'll try kelp. Kelp would be the answer from Fred. And that would be, uh, let's see, would that be the correct answer or the... Uh, yes, it would be. Yeah, kelp. Yeah, kelp could be the answer to a lot of uh, problems on our, on our little planet here. So we'll talk more about that in the near future. But meanwhile, Fred, stay on the line. We'll uh, send you some nice prizes. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Fred. Correctly identifying the worm-eating warbler is our mystery bird. We are out of time. Thanks so much for being with us, and we'll see you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics. With the VIP warranty. Their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And Beautio Books, an independent, family-owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Beautiobooks.com.